But you know the rules. We kick off every Thursday by heading out to New Salem, North Dakota. Visit with our friend, our pal, Spencer Ward. As you know, I'm the meat dude. Joining us right now. Spence, how you been? Uh, been good. How are you, Tyler? Doing well. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, things have been real well out here. Days are getting longer. I think it shows on the mood a little bit. The only thing is we keep getting ice in the uh, Red River Valley here. Are you dealing with that out in New Salem? Yeah, freezing rain and just frost like crazy, but this cold stretch, I would imagine, in the next week or two out here is going to maybe get rid of that, and then it's just a bitter cold. So yeah. Take what you can get, I guess. Well, that was optimistic, uplifting to start off our conversation today. Take what you can get. It's going to be bitter cold next week, so deal with it. Uh, I, I want to start by an email I got at 10 o'clock this morning, all right, Spence? Because you and I, we have a conversation every week, and you know what? Some people ask you questions about a variety of things. Uh, but I got an email from Tim, and I, I think uh, we talked a little bit about sirloin tip roast last week or the week before. But he sent in what he did. So take a listen to this. Uh, he roasted the sirloin tip roast on an electric rotisserie, which have you ever seen or used an electric rotisserie before? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've I've seen them. There's, you know, I'm a big green egg guy, yeah. and uh, there's attachments that you can get for, you know, those types of ceramic grills that essentially turn your um, big green egg into a rotisserie grill and, and a lot of gas grills right now have them too so okay. yeah that, that's cool continue yeah, what else yeah, did you do well don't wait there's more <laughs> of course salt pepper garlic in the fridge overnight which sounds great uh trust the roast every inch skewered it uh on the spit and roasted about an hour and a half pulled it off at about 125 degrees rested for about 10 minutes sliced then with a baked potato and it was perfect the leftovers were steak sandwiches with provolone cheese uh, spinach on a Kaiser roll with horseradish and mustard. So I'll, I we talked about the sirloin tip roast. I do believe just last week. So that's what Tim did with it. You approve? Yes, that sounds that sounds like he had every every ticket item that he could possibly do with that. And yeah, that's that's awesome. He checked off every box, uh, and he sent five photos, which sent me uh, into a spiral of jealousy. I'll send that your way. In just a little bit here. You got a question uh, that's either cuts, rubs, uh, techniques. Right now is a chance to ask Spencer Worth the Meat Dude at 35270. Uh, Spencer, I know we've talked about uh, jerky before, making jerky uh, at our you know own locations here. New audience every week. Um, when it comes to you know just making jerky, whether that's out of a you know venison, deer, beef, whatever, I mean, wh- what's the secret? Is it is it more important about this the thickness? Or is it the duration and the dehydrator? Because, you know, you, you worry about getting the, this jerky to be too dry, too chewy. What's the most important thing about making jerky at home? Yeah, I think both of those go hand in hand, thickness and time in the dehydrator. Um, and your thickness and you, your, the thickness that you start with and your time will drastically influence the mouthfeel of the jerky, obviously. Uh, anybody who's tried dehydrating jerky knows that all too well. Um you know, in, in my line of work, I don't use a dehydrator. I use a smokehouse, so essentially an oven, because you can accomplish the same thing in an oven that you do a dehydrator. Uh, it's just a little different method. It's a little more heat than air movement, obviously. Um, but yeah, like an eighth inch is, is kind of our go-to for the whole muscle jerky that we make. Um, and I, timing-wise in a dehydrator, I do not know. And yeah. I'm assuming just like an oven or or anything else, every single one is different, and I'm sure they come with instructions or, or uh, the, the, the manufacturer suggestions on how long to dry it to create an actual jerked product. But uh, um, 
yeah, I mean, too thick, your 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 consistency your consistency through the product won't be there too thin. It'll dry out way too fast and become uh, almost like sawdust when you <laughs> start chewing on it. So, um, yeah, there there's there's a lot to say about that, and and to be able to consistently slice it at an eighth and eighth inch with with the with the tools you have in your own kitchen is also another conversation that sometimes can become difficult. Okay, you brought up sawdust, and it, it triggered a memory of childhood. Do you remember going to your grocery store or your gas station, and you could buy jerky that was basically in a can just like it was chew? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, that was the sawdust texture. Why in the world did they ever make that for us? It was, Folks, you remember this. You get a little can. You, you'd, it looked like you were buying, buying adult chew, but it was beef jerky, and all it was was the sawdust. What do you think they used for that? Well, they just they just probably took ends and pieces that didn't fit their standards that go into the package and dried it a little longer and chopped it up real fine and threw it in a can. You think they still have that available for someone to purchase? I bet they do somewhere. Yeah, right, right next to the candy cigarettes, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> with the jet on the, on the cover. I have no doubt they're still selling them somewhere out there. 35270, that's the text club. In fact, I got text questions waiting for you, Spencer. Tyler, can you ask the meat dude... Sometimes, can you sometimes just get a bad or tough piece of meat? For example, smoking pork shoulder for pulled pork. I use the same cooking method, but could not get this particular piece to shred. Only thing that I changed was where I purchased the meat. Yeah, a hundred percent. You can, you know, I, producers, livestock raisers do do everything in their power to um, feed, take care, everything. There's a lot of there's a lot of things in an animal's life that can happen and stress them out that will influence the, the the end result, right? And then that's why we have, as meat scientists, we, we try to um, grade and, and, and essentially give a estimate of what the end product will taste, feel, mouthfeel, all of that, right? That's kind of quality grading. Um, but that doesn't mean that there can be some, some oddballs that get through the line and, and um, you get to take it home and, or you as a customer, take it home and cook it. And, and that, that, that will happen. Um, not meat science isn't a hundred percent guarantee all the time. And there will be some every once in a while that no matter what you do to it is just going to be relatively tough. And especially with barbecue wise too, um, you know, they mentioned that they cook it the same every time. Um, every chunk of meat, especially barbecuing in, in my, my world is always slightly different because of that. You'll get some Boston butts that just ramp up in temperature, super, super rapid. And then the next one will stall out and you'll have to, you know, babysit it a lot more just to get that internal temperature to come up. Um, so yeah, I mean, every piece of meat is different. Every animal is slightly different. We as an industry try to provide the same exact product every time, especially on the fresh meat side. Sometimes you're going to get those oddballs in there. Uh, Eric Johnson, our producer, reminds us that Temple Grandin researched stress before slaughter and changed the industry. So tip my cap, Dim. I remember what uh, following on. Actually, we had a chance to interview Temple Grandin not long ago, a few years ago. Added the the circular shoot, I think is what it was. So there's a there's your educational moment out there for you. Um, Got a ton of messages, a lot of comments in about the canned uh, jerky. I'll get to that. But Tyler, could you ask the meat dude if there's any way to make goose edible other than jerky? 
no, I think I, I think that's pretty much the only way that I would eat goose. Personally, uh, it's, it's good for jerky, and that's about it. We already had his opinion on ducks and the duck hunters out there, so add all your goose hunters to this mix as well. He just any, gotta... anytime, anytime waterfowl gets brought up, you bring up that duck conversation. Well, yeah, you were aggressive again. I have not heard you be as aggressive in an anti-meat moment than when it comes to duck. Now we can add goose to it. Tyler, question for the meat dude: I patty my burgers flat, but they always heave up. How do I stop that? Um. Use a, put a little thumbprint in the middle of it, depending on how thin you're making your patties, this might not be possible, but uh, try to put a little indent in the center, which will kind of, once it does puff up during the cook, like they described, um, it should become an even patty. Um, I mean, meat, meat expands, right? When it's cooked, you, you see it in steaks, you'll see it in ground beef, you'll see it across the board so you kind of just counteract that whether you make a you know a smash burger where you're using a flat piece of metal to press it down that's why these fast food chains and other um not maybe not fast food but the middle ground restaurants you know that um do smash burgers um that's why they smash them they cook quicker and it keeps them flat during the cooking process did you say middle ground restaurants? Well, how do you describe them? You know, they're like not fast food. They're not sit down and eat. Like, what's the term for that? For that middle I don't know. fast casual? They call those restaurants fast casual. Is that true? Yep. Did you there it that is. Up? I, knew, okay. I knew Eric would know. That yeah, didn't sound as go. offensive as what you called them. <laughs> uh, okay, here's a variety of messages I came in when I talked about that can jerky. Uh, the can said you don't need teeth to enjoy our beef. Definitely true, but it was the texture of sawdust. Now, here's one for you. Tyler, I am the Jack Link sales rep in North Dakota, and they still make it. You can find it at any place still $1.69 per can. So, Jack Link's is our hookup there. Thanks for sending that in. Um, here's Tyler, I used to uh, I used that canned chew jerky to try and quit real chew. It ended up being more expensive. I loved that stuff. <laughs> okay. Um, more messages in. Uh, Spencer Worth the Meat Dude. He's here with you. This is brought to you by All Soccer Meats. Tyler, um, since donated wild geese and ducks killed two big cats and a bear at the Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, does making jerky or cooking that meat get rid of the avian flu? Ooh, that's a, that's a deep one for you, Spence. I'll let you take a crack at it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I, I can't take a crack at it. I am. I don't know much about the avian flu other than the, to, that it's bad yeah. <laughs> and it's spreading like crazy as of late. And uh, not so much now that it's winter, I would imagine. But this past fall, that was all in the news. And I don't, um, you know, anytime a sickness like that, most flus, um, pneumonia, things like that, that are uh, respiratory tract, they don't spread to the meat. Uh, now I'm not talking. I I don't know specifically avian flu. Like I said, I don't know much about it. But um, anything like that usually doesn't affect the meat. So can't can't answer that question um, legitimately. All right, fair enough. Uh, somebody texted in about the goose. You grind it and add tuna like dressing, pickles, onions, Miracle Whip. Would that? Would you eat that? Probably not. No. What? Yeah, I'd ask. Tyler, does the meat dude think a Blackstone can replace a gas grill? Um, I I think you could. Um, 
Yeah, there would there would be some time cooking a steak. He, he, I wouldn't want to do it on a flat top. I'd, I'd still want a gas grill to cook a steak. But uh, burgers, I think you can cook just as good a burger on a on a flat top or a blackstone that you can a gas grill. And uh, yeah, they're I mean they're 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 at the end of the day they're similar cooking methods, but but also different. So I don't think completely replacing, but it would get real close. Very good. Uh, bacon-wrapped goose chunks or kebabs on a grill is edible. Would you eat bacon-wrapped goose chunks? You know, I have a theory that anything that you have to wrap in bacon isn't isn't that good to begin with. So, um, yeah, I mean, sure, I'd eat it, but uh, all you're doing is masking the meat in the inside with bacon. So. Well, you know, we uh, at tailgating, uh, for some of the bison games, that I didn't get a chance to see you at all yet this year, um, we, had, uh, we do a bacon-wrapped pheasant. Oh man, is it good? I think they do it on a a, a George Foreman. You ever use a yeah. George Foreman grill? I do, yeah, or I have. Ah. Do you recommend, or do you want it yeah, to cook I, in all that grease? No, I, <laughs> it 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 does a good. Jo- it's like an air fryer, right? It it does a good job. It cooks something even temperature. You'll you will be happy with the end product, but yes, do I want all that grease to to help in the cooking process, I do. So right. to answer that question, I do not have a George Foreman at home. It is not in my cooking repertoire, but it is an okay method to okay. cook. I wonder if people still have. I'll throw it out there. Do you still have a George Foreman grill? 35270. Spencer, I'm out of time, man. It's always fun to catch up. We'll do it again next Thursday, okay? Sounds good. Very good. Spencer Worth, the meat dude, that conversation every week brought to you by Alts Auger Meats. In Audubon, Minnesota. I'm actually heading that way tomorrow. Heading to Detroit Lakes. We'll be hanging out at Outlet Recreation. Then, you know what we're doing the show? From Bucks Mill Brewing. I have not been. Give them a call. We're going to be hanging out there. So if you're in the DL area, stop on out. Say hello. I'll be broadcasting live. Bucks Mill Brewing, 2 to 5. That is tomorrow. Speaking of a beverage, I believe he's with Proof Artisan Distillers. Joel Kath with Proof will join us next. He'll tell you where he's going to be and some of your winter cocktails Right after KFGO News.